Genesis 18.10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Father, we bow our heads today. We want to thank you for the grace of God upon our lives, for mercy that endures forever, for a message that comes in this end time, Lord, after we see prophecy after prophecy spoke of this last day, and we are here in the midst of fulfilling of the Word of God. I'm asking, Lord, for your anointing today to come upon us in a very special way, that you'll just reveal yourself to us through the Word that you would anoint every bit of it, Lord, that you would guard us behind the cross, that we'd not say anything that would be wrong or that would be out of the way. But, Lord, may every word go like an arrow right straight to its mark. Hit the target in the bullseye. Not, Not just a little to the right or a little bit to the left, but just right on target, Lord. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you bless your children today. Those that are assembled with us by the way of internet, Lord, by the, those that are overseas and listening in, we never know who it is. Or, Lord, there's many, many unseen faces and unknown names that are out there. But, Lord, they're listening in today, and it's a predestined moment for them. And I pray, dear God, that you would bless them But bless us also in this house today. Father, we have done our part to have a a, a create an atmosphere so that our hearts would be ready to receive. And Lord, we have given to you in song and worship and come together with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts. And now, Lord, we are inviting you to speak to us today. Now, Father, you spoke of us as being the oracles of God. And Father, we're looking to you today then to take our vessel and be the one who speaks through this vessel to this congregation. Lord, for inspired preaching is, in, is prophecy. So it, may it go forth, Lord, prophetically and bring healing and deliverance and salvation in the great name of Jesus Christ. We ask it for your glory. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this, this morning. And as always, we, um, we are glad to be here and assemble together with believers. I want to mention today uh, about yesterday. Thank you. We had a memorial service for Brother Ross Oglesby and I won't just say that I couldn't be more proud of Eden and Light Tabernacle and how you came together to support and comfort and serve the family. And we have today um, two of his granddaughters, the, the Miles girls, that are going to be baptized today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Will you stand, girls, where everybody can see? God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I know Heaven rejoices, the Bible says. There is rejoicing in the presence of angels. That's the way the Bible says it. So it's not angels over there shouting when a, when a sinner repents, but it's the saints that are shouting in the presence of angels. 
Amen. So those that are, have went on before us, they rejoice at every time that we have a soul come to the Lord or every baptism we have. You think, oh, they can't look over the banister. I wouldn't think that at, at all. I, I look at the Bible and just see where um, there the souls under the altar knew what was going on the earth with their brethren and they were also praying and interceding. So, you know, uh, and the Bible said they rejoice. So here again, they rejoice, they intercede, they pray for us. Yeah, that's exactly the Bible. You can read it right there in the book of Revelation and we believe the Bible, don't we? So I believe that they are more aware of, of here than we are of there. But I pray today that you can be aware of the supernatural presence of God. And also about our youth camp, we had another full year and um, probably close to 900 in attendance in the services. And, and, um, and once again, I want to say Evening Light Tabernacle, you made me proud. And Sister Linda Oglesby put on a skit um, and the youth performed it so well and and uh, it was more than a skit. It was a ministry. It ministered to many, and quite a few were actually saved and, and filled with the Holy Spirit right there at that, in that altar call, just as, just as the, the Word of God acted out, just struck home in, in many young hearts. And, um, of course, our deacons and other help that were there to help keep things orderly uh, and a host of others that came and helped to set up uh, the sound and the video equipment. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to call everybody's name, but as sure as I did, I would miss somebody. So I won't do it, but you know who you are. And I want to say thank you for coming and being a part of that and helping out. You know, I want you just to know that God saw it. And we do whatever we do unto him. We're not men pleasers. We're trying to please God. And one day, your name will be associated with many believers as you shine as the stars forever and ever, the book of Daniel says. So God bless you for your efforts and what you did. And, and uh, you know, the, the impact has been great. There's testimonies that are coming in. Uh, from many places around the world, and and uh, you know even even those uh, as far away as is um, China have uh, listened in to those services and thank me for the youth service here. Here, brother Jariah here, brother Jariah Lu is here from China. Stand up, he's from Canada. Uh, formerly from China. God bless you. His dad is a minister over there who listens into our services all the time, joins up and is a part of Evening Light Tabernacle. So, you know, sometimes you say, well, you're, you know, what are you, what are you doing for mission work? Well, you know, I in some ways I regret to tell you as a pastor, I'm going to be going overseas about four times this year and, and um, ministering in different places uh, around the country, so some of those overseas is not exactly overseas, but they're way, way, way up in Canada, up, up in the far north um, uh, east, uh, up in Newfoundland. So that's uh, that's like a missionary journey on itself from here. Like I said, sometimes you can't get there from here. It takes uh, quite a little journey to go. So anyway, we we have some some services that are planned in in this year. 
and many places, many people calling, many needs that are there, and God ministering to a lot. And I want you also to be praying for our October meetings, October the 4th through the 8th. If you have not marked that down in your calendar or got time off, we will have uh, Brother Kelly Hildebrandt, Brother Ron Spencer, and Brother Wayne Lawson will be our speakers for that meeting. So you can come with expectation, and I know the Lord will bless us in a great way. And um, to, today, you know, as I, as I said, you know, we have um, um, lots of, lots of uh, different um, situations and needs and, and people that have uh, responded to the, to the call of the gospel. And uh, I just got a, a testimony from a Sister Wilson. God bless you, Sister, if you're listening in. And she wanted us to give her testimony of, of um, being healed during the meeting there in, um, um, at the youth camp where we, where Brother Ron spoke on, we are warriors. And, and revelation just struck her heart that she's a warrior. And God healed her completely of a mental condition. And, uh, you know, I believe God heals mental health too. He not only will deal with the soul, but he'll deal with the spirit of man. And he can make that right. It was a hereditary problem that has been passed down. A mother um, who they're pretty sure committed suicide and, and uh, you know, with mental health conditions and whatever. But, you know, it was now the devil attacking her and 39 years old. And, and they don't have a church uh, there or at least uh, their pastor up in age had passed away and, and uh, aren't, uh, aren't able to have... Um, a ministry, and so they, they stream our church, and uh, they were ministered to, and, and so a lot of times you don't maybe understand, you know, why is it, why is it that, you know, you, that we do what we do and try to, try to um, help in those manners, but there's many, many needs in many, many different places. Not everybody can have a church like you have today. And so they're depending on us to, to encourage them and help them. So I want you to remember that. And especially when you are here, remember, we want to create an atmosphere of worship and put our heart into every service so that when the word goes forth, it'll have an impact upon people's lives because it's changing lives. So, you know, we regularly hear from different places around the world whose hearts are touched. Now, listen, I want you to understand and them to understand. We have no interest in being a personality cult leader. And, you know, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and I'm of Cephas and, you know, all of this. That's all carnal. And you just are walking as men. But we want to serve the Lord Jesus with all our hearts. And we want to point others to Jesus Christ. We don't feel like we're the Elijah or the Elisha or the Joshua or the one to take the mantle or this or that or the other. But we do have a responsibility to preach the gospel to all the world. And so we're putting our heart together in that. Now today, I'm going to, I'm going to start off maybe, um, in, in, you may think it's one direction and I turn another but it's really not that at all. But, uh, but I want to lay some foundation on this as I speak on contending for rapturing faith. We have spoke on contending for faith. 
uh, for the faith, I want to speak on continuing or contending for rapture and faith. And if you've got your paper and pens, I'm going to do just a little things today about what we are contending for and what we are attending, contending against. Now, I know today the church world, as we know it, um, they... Uh, you know, they just want tolerance and, oh, everybody's to get along and, you know, everybody's going to heaven and don't matter how you dress or how you live or how you act or, or you know, you, everybody's going, but that isn't true. That is absolutely not the truth. God is calling a bride in this end time and she will be without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. So, you know, it's going to take a consecrated walk to go in the rapture. And you must have the token, which is the Holy Ghost. Without it, you're not going. So let's turn to Jude chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 3. And um, as we speak of this today, um, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So now, this next verse is going to tell us, uh, after being told to earnestly contend, that means to fight for this. Hello? Fight for this. Fight for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And then this next verse tells us who and what we're going to have to fight against. And he says, for there are certain men crept in underwears who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Uh Oh, now you see, you know, we preach that you have been foreordained, predestinated, called, elected place. But there's also those that God knew Amen, that was going to go into condemnation. Now, he didn't choose that they would be lost. They chose to be lost. Amen. But he knew they would. So, therefore, they're foreordained by his foreknowledge. He didn't make them lost. God wants everybody to be saved. But some people willingly go the wrong direction. You see, Cain knew the perfect will of God and refused to do it. Now, so it is that all men can be saved. You say, what about, a, what about a serpent seed? Well, God offered him salvation. Cain was offered salvation. He said, if you come the same way your brother did, don't you know you too will be saved or accepted? Amen. Don't you know you too can be accepted if you'll come the way? But he knew the perfect will of God. He knew what God had ordained. He knew what God had blessed and vindicated and refused to walk in it. And because God had accepted Abel and and rejected his offering, of course, then we have the first murder. And so there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
The inauguration of the church was at Pentecost. And as the church moves on from Pentecost, we know by looking back in history that it will begin to lose its faith. Actually, Jude is already saying, let's fight for it. We're going to have to fight for this. And eventually, the original doctrines and the mystic truths that were given to the early church become convoluted and even complicated and therefore obscured and become clouded mysteries. And soon even elementary truths of baptism will be changed from the way that the apostles administered using the name of Jesus Christ and become titles of Father and Son and Holy Ghost, which are no names of, at all. Jesus said, go and baptize in the name and title of Father, Sons, and Holy Ghost are not names at all. They are titles. And so that is not his name. His name is Jesus. There's salvation in one name, Jesus. Amen. If you want anything from God, you must ask it in Jesus' name. Whatever you do in word or deed, you do it in Jesus' name. All of this is Bible. This is Bible principles. But of course, in 325 AD, they changed the formula of baptism. They turned the Godhead into three persons in one God, which don't even make sense at all that three people can be God. And it takes three of them that are supposed to be co-equal and co-eternal and co-existent. And so then you have a son. Well, and how can a son be co-eternal or be an eternal son that don't make sense at all a son has to have a beginning an eternal has no beginning or no end but you see God himself became a son by making himself a body he fathered the body for himself to come and dwell in now as we're looking at this they changed it and made uh, because they're a bunch of pagans is what they were gathered together supposedly converted and, and come to Christianity, but they're still very pagan in their, in their thinking. So they're always thinking of multiple deities because that's what the Romans did. So here they come along under Tertullian and, and there, there they change the Godhead from one God as it says all down to the Bible, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. And he changes it down to three persons and the Bible never says that Jesus was in the Godhead. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus. So you see, again, they would change it. And, and um, the Bible said that these ungodly men would turn the grace of God, that's the favor of God, which is the gospel, in the lasciviousness, and that is a word speaking of unbridled or uncontrolled lust. And of course, it's lust for power. And, and this word is used over and over again through the scripture as sexual immorality. And, and this was not just a natural sexual fornication, but spiritual fornication that he was speaking of. And anytime that the children of Israel would go astray and go worshiping idols. God called it fornication. He called it an, an illicit sex act. 
In other words, something is happening spiritually. You're receiving the seed of man instead of the seed of God. Because the church is to bring forth his children, his life, in his image. But instead today, what do we have? We have, a bunch of, we have a bunch of those that are calling themselves Christians and they're not in the image of Christ at all. They're in the image of the mother. So therefore, they're called Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, whatever. Because, and these are in the Bible called names of blasphemy. We will read about it. They are names of blasphemy because it's blasphemous to take on any other name than the name of Jesus Christ. So you see, when a, when a woman leaves her husband and takes on another name, she is, she is now committing blasphemy, something evil against her marriage vow. To take, again, to call ourselves by any other name then the name of Jesus is, is wrong. And so as we, and not only is it wrong, but it, it identifies a dominating female who won't take her husband's name, which is the spirit of the age that we're living in. And of course, then it identifies the whoredoms that she's under because she rejects the name of her husband and now goes out and lives any kind of life. This is what happens to the church, and I'm going to show you in the Bible. This is where we're going for the next little bit. God help me to get this quickly because I want us to see what we're earnestly contending for, and then I want to go into what, we, what the faith is that we're expected for this age, if I can get there. Now, let's turn to Revelation 18.1. Because as the Bible speaks of spirits of fornication, he would speak of a church who would be viewed by God in this chapter of Revelation 18 as a woman who is so filthy that he will show you, and we won't go to this scripture, but it's right in the book of Revelation, that he will, he will stone her with stones. Hailstones, the Bible says, they will, they will weigh about 100 pounds apiece. And, they will, and he, will, he will destroy that and then burn her with fire. This is the judgment that was actually unleashed upon the, the, the adulterous woman in the Old Testament. Now, listen, a lot of people don't understand the difference. But in the Gentiles, they had no sense of moral code. So even in their worship, they had male prostitutes, female prostitutes, and therefore there were sex acts in their worship of their gods. So you see, again, this was, this was a, a, a fornication and, and they would worship these multi-deities. And so, again, when you, when you come to here, God made Israel in this way. He said, now Israel, I'm going to tell you, a man is to have one wife. One wife. And I want you young men to remember that. One wife. We don't believe in marriage and divorce. Divorce should never be mentioned in our churches. 
Amen. You should marry by revelation that you know that you know that you know that this man is your husband or this woman is your wife. So let's get this straight as we go along. Because again, we, we remember in the beginning, it was not so that you take multiple mates. In the beginning, it was to be one male and one female. That's how God created. And we're, we're here in a day where we are going back to the beginning. So now going back to this, I want you to see this, that, you know, that um, in the Old Testament, God had to have a virgin to bring forth a child. So there were, there were laws that were put in place because you wouldn't find a virgin among the Gentiles. No, no, no. From the early ages, they are absolutely molested, abused, um, misused, uh, put into s- sexual um, s- sins in their worship, all of this. This is why in the early church that Paul is having to warn them so much about fornication because it was so common. Nobody was thinking anything about it. It's just the way we live. It's kind of like today, you know, everybody, oh, this is my fiance. Well, you know, they're not married saying fiance. They're just somebody you're shacking with. But it's immoral. But it's no longer thought immoral. It's what we do. This was the Gentiles. God would have never got a people or a, a woman, a virgin rather, out of, out of, out of the Gentiles. So he, he selected a, a people and he separated them from the rest of the world. You said, what in the world is all of this? And, you know, you don't wear this kind of, uh, uh, this kind of fabric with that kind of fabric. And you got this. You can't eat like this. And you can't touch that. And what has that got to do with anything? Keeping a people separate. Because when people start gathering together, a Jew with his Gentile neighbor, and they start eating together and fellowshipping together, then there are marriages and intermarriages and worshiping of other, other gods. And this is why you want to marry somebody. You want to marry somebody that that has serves the same God that you serve. Because otherwise, you are not just marrying that boy or girl, you're marrying their gods. So either gods are gods of sports, of sex, of, of money, or popularity, or rock and roll, or whatever, you're going to be marrying their gods, and their gods will be in your house. I may never get to my subject today. But, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you have to go down certain areas for you to understand. You be very careful. Listen, this is very specific. It is an absolute sin to marry an unbeliever. Don't court them. Don't go with them. Don't flirt with them. So find you a believer. See that they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Make sure that that's your number one priority. Now this is what God wanted. God wanted a bride who would be only to him. Who wouldn't flirt with everybody else. 
who wouldn't look to some uh, uh, some other man's ideas or ways or whatever, but hear God's voice and be in love with him. But now he knew that the church, like Eve, would go astray. And so in Revelation 18 and 1, she is shown, and after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of ever foul spirit, and the cage of of ever unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. So you see again, you see he's speaking, it's, it says Babylon. Listen, Babylon as a city doesn't even exist today. But you see, it's a spirit that God is talking about. And there is a woman in the Bible that fits with mystery Babylon. We will see her call that here again in another scripture, but she will be called Mystery Babylon, and, and she is a church. Now, really, the book of Revelation is about basically two women. One, the great whore and her daughters, and the other, a pure, spotless, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. So when you sum it all up, that's really what it's all about, two women. Both of them are claiming him as a husband, but one is lewd and crude, and she is a habitation of every foul spirit, the cage of ever unclean and hateful bird. See, and, and she also influences nations until they are drunk with the, rind, with the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So they commit fornication. Now, Contend means to struggle for, to fight for, to war, to battle for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And Paul, he fought for a church. He fought for a church with a holy, godly jealousy desiring to keep the church pure. But doctrines were already corrupting the minds and the hearts of people until to the extent that they were already receiving another Jesus than the one he had preached. So let's examine this in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2. For I am jealous over you. Now he's contending because now he's got a godly jealousy. This is an emotion rising up. And he says, jealous over you with a godly jealousy for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So he wanted the church to be undefiled, pure, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He said, I want to present her to Christ. That he present himself a church without spot or wrinkle. That's Ephesians 5. But I fear this is what I'm worried about. I can see it already happening. 
lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted. And remember, the mind is the womb to the soul. So he said that your minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom you, uh, who we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, you might bear well with him. In other words, you'll accept that readily enough. He said, if someone comes and they're preaching another Jesus, you just accept it. They, you, you know, you receive another spirit other than what we, we have promised that would come on the day of Pentecost and we're still offering today. Paul says, you, you're willing to receive it. You'll bear well with him. Now, Jude rewarded it once delivered, and it indicates that they were already losing that faith. And they, but they were to fight for it. And before the first age, the first church age is lived out, she's already a fallen woman. So go with me to Revelation 2 and 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Notice this. He's speaking to the church, and this is uh, uh, the the, the, the Ephesus age. So now Ephesus is representing an age and he says, remember from whence thou art fallen. So it's already begun to fall. And repent. Now she will continue to fall until she becomes this woman that we read about in Revelation 18. So remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first words or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick or thy light out of its place. You'll go into darkness unless you repent. So God tells them to remember. Now, evidently, something had already left their minds. They had forgotten something. So he tells them to turn back in their minds to their point of origin. And and I understand this as we speak this morning. I want to make this clear even to message believers today. Remember, if we're going to have restoration, we've got to turn our minds back to our point of origin. And the origin of the first age was Pentecost, and they had fallen from it. They had forgotten the glory and the wonder of it. But it was time to go back in mind and then in reality. So you see, you got to have a mind change instead of today thinking, oh, we don't believe in the Pentecostal experience. You better get a mind change. Amen. Instead of it being a dirty word, you got to remember it's your liberty. Amen. We are in the fullness of the day of Pentecost. This is what God is doing in this end time is, is when the day of Pentecost has fully come. We have come, we have come now since the Passover. Christ died 2,000 years ago, seven church ages, seven weeks, and now we come to the day of Pentecost. And so we are now in the Pentecost of all Pentecost. This is a liberation time. This is when slaves go free. Hallelujah. This is when the call rings out. Come out of her, my people. Amen. This is a call of liberty. This is a call of freedom. It's Pentecost. It's the Jubilee. 
the Jubilee was when slaves were, would go free, where land that had been held for a certain time would be, would be go back to its original owner. But, he, but you have to go back in mind and then in reality, back, back when they could say, for me to live is Christ. Back to purity when Ananias and Sapphira were dealt with and back to the gate called beautiful. Amen. What approach, reproach it is to drift from God and, and then embrace the acts that defile his name. So by departing from the word, remember, it's one step at a time. Departing from the word, the church becomes a fallen woman. And she's called in Revelation 17 and 18, a whore. And she's rich. She's a very rich church. She's, a, she's a clothed with purple and scarlet. We get a little glimpse of her here. You know, this is a, the colors, purple and scarlet. She's a lewd, immoral woman. She is, and her prostitute daughters have, have divides God, her husband, into three different persons. And, and uh, she is a prostitute, very evil at heart. We're going to read about it. She's exposed in the Bible. Let's turn over to Revelation 17, 1. And let me just show you because it already prefaces the words in, that we read in Revelation 18 with this. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth on many waters. Now, we're going to get some clues here. Remember, the book of Revelation is a book of symbols. So even Jesus is shown in his redemption work in a symbol. He's shown in Revelation 5 as a funny-looking lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. If you would look at that and you would see it, you know, you would understand in its, symb- in its symbology, it's representing the Redeemer through seven ages, seven horns, seven eyes, working through seven messengers for seven church ages. So it's symbolic. The whole book of Revelations is a book of symbols. So when you look here and you're reading and said that the, the waters, the waters, she's sitting on many waters. Let's go down to verse 15 real quick. And he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and many languages, tongues. So she influences politics by rulers and kings getting in the bed with her and then doing her bidding. If you look in verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So people are, they're, they're actually... Their minds are actually addled and stupid. No wonder the world's around and says three gods. Her vision is distorted. It's not the God of the Bible now. It's another Jesus. Remember... Remember, as we look at this, we're going to go into it more and more, but you're going to see 
There's another Jesus out there that the world is worshiping. That's not the Jesus of the Bible, but one that has been crafted by the hands of man in seminaries and halls of theology to make a Jesus that doesn't match the Bible. And of course, this Jesus loves everybody. You can dress any way, live any way. You can be bisexual, transsexual, anything you want to be. You know, God loves you, whatever you are. He does love the sinner. He loves every person, but he hates the sin. Amen. You say, you know, we, we're hearing all the time, you know, songs that are coming up even in the, among the Southern Gospel. You know, make our church open for all the sinners and welcome everybody of everything. We don't care what you are. Listen, that's true. We want sinners to find Christ. But you've got to find Christ and it'll change you. You can't walk away with the same old ideas that you had when you come in. You've got to come by the Bible. If the Bible said have, for women to have long hair, the women are to have long hair. If it's against them cutting the hair, you've got to be against cutting the hair. Amen. If it's a, is somebody with me? Same way if it's for men to have short hair. Listen, listen, yes, I understand. You know, in Jesus' day, they took it and cut it as close as they can. But if you can put your hair in a ponytail, you've got a feminine spirit on you. Remember, you're, you're dancing still to the God of this evil age. Go get a good haircut. So in Revelation 17, he tells us that people are, that they're drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse 3, and he carried me in the way in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy. Now, this woman was sitting on a scarlet-colored beast. Now, everybody knows this is these purple and scarlet is the colors of Rome, which is the first organization. And from her, she will give birth to Lutherans, Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, whatever. They'll all come splitting off a mother. Rome is the spirit of every organization. And every spirit that wants to try to make themselves a headquarter, including Jeffersonville, they belong to the Roman Catholic Church. So now if we want to look at this, she carried me, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit on the scarlet colored beast and he had names full of names of blasphemy. Again, names of blasphemy are names of like Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, calling yourself any name other than after the name of Jesus Christ. Those are names of blasphemy. Again, having seven horns and or seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of all abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Now, a golden cup represents worship. 
So in her worship was abominations, filthiness, all kinds of things, and the woman became rich. She's decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls and having great wealth. And upon her forehead was a name written. Now, she didn't write this name. God marked her as a harlot. Remember, this would be many times what would happen. They would be marked. Remember Cain in the Bible, God put a mark on him. She is marked, a name is written, Mystery Babylon the Great. Now, she's not Babylon, but she's Mystery Babylon because the origin of her doctrines come back from ancient Babylonian traditions. So now she is here, and she is not Babylon. She's Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So this woman is a mother. And she has given birth to daughters who are so lewd like her, they are called harlots. So they've taken up her mother's way of fornication. That is taking seeds from another that is not her husband. The seed that you are to take is the seed of the word of God. But when you take the seed of man, that is fornicating against God. God calls it adultery. This is why the message must be preached in purity. The word must go forth in purity and in power. Notice here, she is Mr. Babylon. She's incorporated the ancient pagan rituals into her worship and her mannerism. And she's not, she's not only the mother of harlots, but she's a... She is a mother of abominations. She changed the Godhead from one God to three. She changed the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, which there's no place. I like Brother Homer Frazier. He would say, you know, I'll give you my farm, my pickup truck, my new truck. I'll give you, I'll give you this property here where we're baptizing along this river that I, that I own. He said, I'll give you every, every dime in my pocket if you can show me one place in the Bible anybody ever was baptized in any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ. All the way down to the Bible. He never had to lose his truck. He never lost his property. Nobody can ever show him. Because if you read the Bible, this is the apostle's way. So why why did they do this when Jesus said that? They knew what the name. Come on, they knew what the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost was. I'll give you one right here. He said, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of his. Because the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Christ. Is that right? Now, so she changed the name, the, 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 the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and to no names at all, but titles of Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, claiming to be married to Christ. She refuses to take on his name. Revelation 17, verse 6. And I saw the woman, and we're getting more description. She is drunken. with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. 
Now, this word admiration is amazement. He said, I was astonished at her. I saw her. Now, she's supposed to be the bride of Christ. She's supposed to be married to Christ, but in her is the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, the blood of the saints. So you can see here is a wicked church. And she's bloodthirsty, and through the years she has killed, according to the roles of martyrology and historical references of Fox Book of Martyrs and others like that, she has killed over 68 million of our brothers and sisters who would not bow to her. Hold your Bible up right now. Everybody's got a Bible. Hold it up. Do you know why you got a Bible? Because men like Tyndale and others died, burned a stake, slaughtered, butchered to have this Bible. It's a sacred book. And it was bought with blood or brought to you and translated with blood. You should honor it. You should read it. You should abide by it. But I want you to know it was the whore who punished her. Punished Tyndale. Put him to death. Put to death the Anabaptists for rebaptizing after they had baptized them as infants in the Catholic Church. They rebaptized them. So they butchered them. She was drunken with the blood of saints. So this church is a wicked and bloodthirsty and through the years has killed 68 plus millions. Verse 7, and the angel said to me, wherefore didst thou marvel? And I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her. And which had seven heads and ten horns, and the beast thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Notice um, notice there, this one, it was, is not, and yet it is. It shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now we'll find again that coming back over in Revelation 13 here in a little bit. So again, verse 9 said, here's the mind which has wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman set us. So we get another clue. To identify her, he said, use some wisdom. She sits on seven mountains. Now, admittedly, there are 30 cities in the world that sit on hills or mountains. Four of them are in Africa. One is in Kampala, Uganda. That's Kampala, Uganda. There are cities in America such as Providence, uh, Rhode Island, Richmond, Virginia, Cincinnati, Ohio, but only one in the world who is a filthy, rich woman drunken with the blood of the saints. Only one. So she is drunken, verse 6 said, I saw her drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
Now let's see the, the beast of power that she rides on as John describes it in Revelation 13. So go with me to Revelation 13 because you will find here in this chapter, and we'll go into it in this chapter, chapter 13, there will be, is where America also rises in prophecy. And she started out with 13 colonies, 13 stars, 13 stripes, and she, and she is found in the 13th chapter of Revelation. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. How many remembers about over in Revelation 17 and 18 where we saw this other one on the, up, on the, um, up on the waters? Watch what happens here. I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast, a power. Beast represents a power. I saw a power rising up out of the sea. Remember what that is? Help me. Nations, kindred, tongues, and people. I saw a power rising up from a populous area in the earth, and it had seven heads, which are seven heels, had ten horns, and uh, ten, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leper, and his feet was at the feet of a bear, his mouth is the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now let's stop here just for a minute. A leopard, a bear, a lion. He is an amalgamation of three different other powers, beasts. These beasts are spoke of in Daniel chapter 7 verse 4 as Babylon. That's the lion. Spoke of as the bear in Daniel chapter 7 verse 5. That's the Medo-Persians. And then come the Greece Empire next. Remember, it comes from Babylon down to the Greek, to the Greek, um, on the Medo-Persian, and now the Greek, which is a leopard, Daniel 7, 6. So this beast was the embodiment of all of these powers, and, and now here it is, a mixed beast coming up, and I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. Remember, he was, and then he is not, and yet he is, because he has a head that was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wandered after the beast. Now, this, this actually happens because pagan Rome will fall, but it will resume its power now, the spirit, through the rise of the Roman Catholic Church as it rises up and so its deadly wound becomes healed and now it survives the sword and the loss of the kingdom and the loss of world power to begin to work now in a different way. And it's going to work through a what is called or so supposed to be a spiritual power, a church who is going to control the world and her commerce and everything that's going on. Now, remember, she controls the kings of the, of the earth. She is working behind the scenes in politics. Now, 
So now the Bible says, and then, and give me that last verse again, um, where it is. And the whole, I saw one of his heads uh, as it was wounded, was healed. And remember, we just read here, go back to verse 2. And the devil gives him his power and his seat and his great authority. So notice where his, his seat, his authority, and his power come from. Demon powers. This is why it's the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So now in verse 3, I saw one of his deadly wounds, his heads as it was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. Verse 4, and they worship the dragon. Watch this now. Worship the dragon. They're not worshiping Jesus at all. They're worshiping the devil himself. But now he's sitting in a church. And they're actually... It's another Jesus that they're now worshiping, not the Jesus of Galilee, not the Jesus who died for our sins, but the Jesus of the makings, the craftings of denominational systems. Are you with me now? So hold it, hold the thought now. I, because, and you young people, I want you to really pay attention because this is for you that I'm going over this. Because when we're preaching things, a lot of times we just hit the tops of it. But now I'm trying to get down into the really source of it where you can see in the Bible what we are talking about. Now, so he says, he said, they worshiped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. And they worshiped the beast and said, who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? I, I just want to say, you remember when the wall came down between Germany, the East and West Germany, there, the Life magazine, and I had it for years, and I may find it in my archives somewhere. When we moved, I, I, I misplaced a lot of things. I hadn't looked them up. But nevertheless, in the Life magazine, it was there in their headlines, the triumph of Pope John Paul II, who without an army, this is their words, brought mighty Russia the Soviet Union, down to its knees. So they credited the Pope without an army using his influence in world governments to bring Russia down. That's not something that happened 500 years ago. That's happened in your, many of your lifetime right here. It just shows you she's at work. She's pulling the strings. She's behind the scenes. And many people recognize that and know it. Tell me, the U.S. has an embassy in the Vatican. Does it have it at, in the Southern Baptists? Does it have it for the United Pentecostals? Do they have it? Why? Why? Why have an embassy? Because they recognize her as a power. And they have, an, they have an embassy with her just like they have with all the nations in the world. Now, let's look at this because you think, oh, well, you know, Brother Tim, all this left business and all of this and that's our enemy and whatever. Let me just tell you, 
We have more Catholics today. We have a Catholic president. We had a Catholic speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi. We had, we had uh, uh, one, uh, I, I forgot, I think every, every member of the Supreme Court is Roman Catholic, except for two, or at least that was. There's been some recent changes, which I haven't researched. But nevertheless, I'm just showing you the control that is even in our nation. And I want you to remember, why did we come here? For freedom of religion. To get away from the tyranny of Rome. To live in a nation of freedom where we wouldn't be under the thumb of the Vatican. And here we are. We've been bought right back. Let's look at this. Who is like the beast who's able to make war with him? They claim to be worshiping Jesus, of course. They worship the beast. They worship the dragon. They worship the church. Tell me that isn't true. What is salvation today? It's joining a church. If your salvation lays in a church, your salvation's only temporary. It won't work for the eternals. Come on. Second Thessalonians 2, Paul was telling us, now concerning the end time, uh, you know, don't be troubled about it. But in verse 3, he says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except there come a falling away first. Oh, Brother Tim, there's going to be a great falling away in the end time. Sure there is, but she's been falling since Ephesus. And Paul was saying that the Lord can't come until there's a falling away first and then that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. This thing, there's going to be a man of sin. He's going to come out of hell. He's going to, his power will come from the devil. He will have an anointing and he will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He will actually sit in the church, the temple of God. And listen, it's this message that came to you in this day that unveiled the devil, pulled the mask off of him. Come on, that's what the seals were doing. It was showing us how that we had lost the title Amen. And it was identifying the Antichrist spirit, starting with the white horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse. Come on, church. Amen. What was it doing? It was, it was trailing the serpent. And it was identifying who it is in the end time that we're contending against. Our contention is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So he, we've heard about the son of man being revealed, but this is a man of sin being revealed. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is called worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. And there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. 
And power was given unto him to continue for 40 and two months. Now, he has a special power that he will have in the great tribulation. And it speaks of 40 and two months, which is three and a half years. This is exactly the same thing that when it's spoken of in Revelations 12, when the devil is cast out of heaven, the bride goes up. Satan comes down. He has but a short time. He has three and a half years. The prophets in, in Revelations 12 they, and 11 and 12, they prophesy for uh, 40 and two months. So you see, here you have the, in, in the end time, as you find the end time battle coming down, Satan is cast out. He becomes incarnate in a man. And he will there rule there, you know, there and, and there he, and the world, of course, that you know, is about to change completely. We are changing to a one world government. And the, and the, the rule of it, I mean, even now where that we have in our United Nations that are, that are superseding the, 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 the actual laws of the United States. Many things that are going on that you don't even realize as Americans that are happening. And this is not conspiracy theory. I don't put my nose in that. And I advise you not to. You don't know what voices are out there. Forget them. We got a message that tells us about our end time. So he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. And so you see, because this is a time where that, that he, he powers given him for, for 40 and two months. And this is when the dynamics will come to the mechanics of the regime that is already being set up. Law set in place. Satan setting up his great kingdom, making things ready for him to come down. He will be cast down. And when he does, he will come down into a man. This will be the Antichrist. And of course, it's going to work through church powers. Now, let me just show you. I want to, I want to get this. He opened his, his mouth in blasphemy against God. How many is with me? Look at verse 6. Now, put it up on the screen. Revelation 13, 6. I want everybody to get the scripture. All right. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. So how does he blaspheme God? He makes him three instead of one. That's blasphemy. And then to blaspheme his name. Watch. Change it to titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And his tabernacle... Saying his tabernacle is no longer in the heart of man, but now in a city, a denomination on the earth. And that that's God's chosen place of worship. And them that dwell in heaven. My goodness, he's a blasphemer. Now he's blaspheming them that dwell in heaven. He's taken saints like Mary, Peter, Paul, John, James, Making them and making statues of them for you to worship and bow to? What is that? It's blaspheming those that dwell in heaven. 
Amen. Come on now. Amen. Because now, instead of praying to God, you pray to Mary. Because Mary is the one who can really touch the heart of Jesus, the son who will pray to the father who's wanting to kill you. Do you, see, do you understand? Do you understand the spirit against fatherhood in this day comes from a church problem? Because a woman, the church, rejected the headship of God. Now then that same spirit comes right down into the families of the earth where that the husband now is done away with. Until it has become so that the woman is put in such a place and position and idolized and worshipped until men are wanting to deny they are men to be a woman. Because men are marginalized and despised. And headship is rejected. Come on. Amen. You know, the the way that the family is to be put together, the Bible said Christ is ahead of the man, man's ahead of the woman. So you see, God has a divine order. So I don't like order, Brother Tim. I I don't even want to pastor. I I ain't going to even hear what one says. Well, you better not go to heaven because it's going to be a divine order. There in heaven, there's God, there is angels, there are archangels, there are angels of different powers and authorities. Come on. And when God made his kingdom on earth, he gave them to some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. He gives them places of authority. Well, I don't need a power. I'll tell you what I'm, I'll tell you what, you better figure out what spirit you're of. You're of a dominating female spirit. You belong to the Roman Catholic Church. So again, you see, to them was, notice now, here again, we go back over this again. Let's look at this. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. He changed him from one to three. Next, he blasphemed, they blasphemed his name, changed it from title to our Father, Son, our, from the name Jesus Christ to Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to hurry. And his tabernacle makes it a place here upon the earth. And then, them that dwell in heaven, the saints. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God and against his, and to blaspheme his name and so on in verse 7. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all the kindred's tongues and nations. So he is allowed to, to, he is allowed to go forth with his power to overcome them. And we even have down to the ages 68 million of them are killed. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And somebody ought to shout it right there. Because everybody else is going to worship him. Oh, Brother Tim, I'm worried about this message cult and these, these few little people here and there. I'm worried about that message cult. I'm more worried about that big cult. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a, well, you know, you talk about William Branham. Listen, they worship the Pope. They make him infallible. That's worship. So again, but those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, 
there's a message comes to them says, come out of her, my people. Amen. Notice now, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Isn't that what was said to every church age? He that leadeth in the captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the testimony of saints. And verse 11, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, this time not out of the water. This is not a populous place. And he has two horns. And he's like a lamb. Comes up like a lamb. But notice, he begins to speak as a dragon. Notice what happens here. It starts out good, freedom of religion. Starts out good, you know, um, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, it starts out like a lamb and, and next things that you know, here it begins to grow and begins to speak. Oh, oh yeah, they have now figured out they can twist our constitution any way they want to. Whatever wind that blows, they can just twist it all around. You know, it's not an infallible document. They want to make it unchangeable. They've changed it in every way already. They've manipulated it where we can kill the unborn. They get manipulated. Is somebody with me? Any way that they want to do it, they can manipulate it and they take freedoms to the point where it's freedom to do anything you want to do. Live any kind of life. Even now, you know, with our, and our judicial system, they're turning away criminals instead of sending them into prison where they belong, giving them freedom. They don't even deserve. It has two horns like a lamb, but begins to speak like a dragon. And more and more and more, you begin to see her speak like the devil. Demonic spirits coming out. Coming out. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. Oddly enough, in America, there is another great city sitting on seven hills. And yet, she don't fit the description of drunk with the blood of saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. But that city is Washington, D.C. But she too sits on seven hills and out of Washington rises another beast that mirrors the first beast. Come on now. And he exercises the power of the first beast. Look what it does. This beast exercises control over the world like the first beast did, Rome, and them, and caused all the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, Rome, whose deadly wound was healed. Verse 13, and he doth great wonders, so he maketh fire come down from, uh, from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. What is it? She has atomic power. And now with her control now, here she begins to control the things all on the earth and, and causing all to worship Rome. Look at this. And deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. Now we have, we have two beasts. Now we have an image which had a wound 
an image to the beast, the one that had the wound by a sword and did live. And he gave power unto give life unto the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, listen, you may think this is shocking. But just wait until this prophecy of Revelation 13 is fulfilled. You see, United States is in this chapter. The, as I said, the very number of this nation is, is, uh, is 13. It starts with 13 colonies, flags, 13 stars, 13 stripes, or destiny in the 13th chapter. And in this, in this image that's mentioned in this chapter will be found all the wickedness of the beast that was before it. And that as the beast that arose at Nicene Council, so will that the image come out of the world council of churches. Now, this is a spirit of ecumenism. And I want you to see it more as a spirit than, than just something that's already that as an organization that has so much power. I want you to see it's, it's an ecumenical spirit that arises bringing, making unity, bringing a solidarity on the Godhead with Trinity doctrine and a new formula of baptism. And, you know, they, they want everybody to be the same, speak the same. Right. You know, let's quit having this division in, um, in Christianity. Let's all speak as one. And not only that, but they reach out into the others and say, well, we all serve the same God. You, you Muslims, you serve Allah. And so you've got a place here and bring, you know, everybody's got that. We all serve the same God. It's all the same person. And it is. And it is. The Bible said they would all wander after the beast. They would all worship the dragon. Listen, as I said, you're worried about this little cult of Brandamites, you want to brand us? We're worried about being in a cult. Let me tell you, friends, I ain't worried about a few. I ain't worried about a few people being deceived. Well, you, brother, I'll tell you, you, you people, you few people, y'all are really deceived. I'm not worried about a few being people. I'm worried about the whole world going into deception. This is what the Bible said would happen. Not a few. The world. Well, there's just a few of you believe what you do. Yeah, I realize that. But there's going to be many. The whole world will wander after the beast in his image. Can't you see this? Now, notice, so, so notice here again that that ecumenical spirit that arose making a unity, bringing a solidarity on the Godhead with the Trinity doctrine, a new formula of baptism, a spirit of unity coming together to bring peace in the world. Tighten your belt right quick. And to save the world with the green agenda. The Pope is one of the biggest backers of the green agenda. Why do we want to save the world? Because 
The Bible says in Romans 1 that men will worship nature. Come on now. That the men will actually worship some mother earth. We got to take care of her. And really there's a demonic force that is behind this. That is working in all politics to bring the world under control. Now, so this idea to save the world, one is population control through sodomite unions. So therefore, sodomy is going to be one thing that is pushed and promoted and become the agenda. Because if we can get men with men and women with women, there won't be no children. So guess what? We saved the world by cutting down on population. There's just too many of us. Oh, yeah. So therefore, through sodomite unions of gays and lesbians and, and abortions and so on, you know, oh, Brother Tim, the Catholic Church is against abortion. Yeah, that's really a teaching for her people. That's a teaching for Catholics. The only way she gets members, the only way Rome can get members is for members to give birth. Membership, her membership grows by giving birth to children who are then baptized and brainwashed into the church. So naturally, she's against abortion for her own. But I want you to watch now, here as, as things are promoted here, we want to we, we bring abortion, we want to kill the unborn, we want the gays, the lesbians, we're going to cut population. So, you know, and watch now where the control is. Watch now, it will be by money, verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, and rich and poor, and free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Now, stop right there. People are going around now, I'll tell you what, no, I ain't going to take no social security. I ain't going to have no social security number. i tell you what, I ain't going to have no uh, ID card. I'm not going to do this. Listen, let me just stop here for a minute. When you reject the seal of God, which is the Holy Ghost, you already take on the mark of the beast. There's two marks. God marks his own. In Ezekiel 9, he says, I put a, a mark of them that sign cry for the abominations that's done in the city. So again, when people reject the seal of God, you know, then they take on the mark of the beast and you'll see a world today in the forehead taking a mark. They are taking on the mind or the thinking of the beast. Listen, when you get the mark of the Holy Ghost, you don't have your own thoughts anymore. You think like God thinks. You, you put away what you thought about this, and I, I don't think it's wrong for this, and I don't think it's all, I think it's all right for a woman to wear pants or cut her hair or wear makeup, or I think it's okay, you know. I think all of that, listen, when you get the Holy Ghost, all your I think goes away, and now you begin to think God's thoughts. You don't think your thoughts anymore. You think God's thoughts. Somebody with me? Amen. But the same thing, when you take on the devil's mark, then you begin to think like he thinks. Oh, tolerance for everybody. Ah, you know, let's be reasonable about this. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I tell you what, you know, we're all going to the same place. We all worship the same God. You know, whether you're Muslim or Buddhist or whatever, you know, we believe in the Creator and we all worship Him. And, you know, and let's just all come together. Now, so men already are receiving a mark in their forehead. The Bible said they give their mind to the beast. Now, let me think. Let me tell you. Modern inventions has made things where that it has changed even the morals of America and the world by the projections that comes from Hollywood. You see, Satan figured out how to do it. He got right in Hollywood and with television and his programs, now he can come right down. Look what they did. Starting now with the women's lib. And I think it was Rockefeller that said, you know, we wanted the women to go to work. Wasn't it Rockefeller? Said, we want the woman to go to work. One thing, one thing, it will create a bigger tax base to support our agenda. The second thing, it'll take the, the, it, it'll, it'll diminish the role of the man and put the woman in place, which will be a weaker vessel that we can manipulate. And so they pump millions upon billions of dollars into the women's lib to get the woman out of the home where she was no longer a homemaker to make latchkey kids and cause chaos in America to take away her liberties and her freedoms to strip her. Listen, they've had a mind behind this whole thing to destroy the moral fabric of this country and it's worked. Not only this country, but the world. Amen. Now, so, the Bible said they would give their minds when marking the forehead, and they would give their right hand the fellowship, their support to this thing, the mark in the hand. Now, but it will also become a literal mark in the tribulation. That no man, verse 17, might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So notice what he said. No man would be able to buy or sell except he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, so now I want you to understand we have today that, that the same things that happen. The same time God sends an angel to a prophet. Same time the United Nations forms, the same time Israel becomes a nation, the same time um, the, the, um, uh, the, United, the, the League of Churches began, all, all of this would happen all in the same time period. God's moving and the devil's moving. And there, you know, they, with the United Nations, they're pushing for equality in the world leaving no one behind, a sustainable development for all. I'm using their words. No poverty, zero hunger, good health, well-being, quality education, gender equality, remember that, 
You know, um, clean water, sanitation, affordable and clean energy, decent work and economic growth, industry innovation, and then infrastructure. So what they're wanting to do is to make everything equal. And so then they have incorporated religion into this. That all religions would, you know, they address the issue of creation of the, of the universes and different forms and various degrees of clarity or detail, but they all agree that creation is an act of God and should be treated as such. And so now then, as they become worshipers of the creator, they get all, everybody now working toward saving the earth. Spiritual leaders of all levels have become very critical to global solidarity trying to make an ethical and moral and spiritual commitment to protect the, the environment and God's creation. And, and these leaders, they, they, they're pushing this over and over and over and over and again. And the Pope now is one of the main supporters of the green agenda to bring it all down, bring everything under one power, one head. You see, I'm trying to tell you the mechanics are getting in place. Now, our banks, this has just recently come out in the news, that the banks are now committing to diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. And they're building a culture of belonging to a global workforce that celebrates greater dimensions of diversity and reflects the markets we strive to serve. And so they, many of them now discriminate on the basis of political ideology, among other things, because large banks have already begun to use their power for a variety of causes to support the left. Building on Bank of America, they, they had a, a long-standing support for the, for the Paris Climate Agreement. They're all going there. If you don't go their way, they won't loan you the money. If you won't make certain statements of supporting gays and lesbians and the LGBT community, they won't give you money. It's not just coming, church. I'm telling you, it's here where they will control the commerce of the world and control you, force you into acknowledging certain diversities that are and things that are contrary to the word of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. So, so this is happening. So we're, we're here in a day that, that there has to be this This very thing that Satan is forcing upon the world right now, getting the mechanics ready for the dynamics to fall. Now look, at the same time that we're speaking, right now going on among churches, as they go further and further, forcing their members into accepting the gay and the LGBT, the XYZ deal. The gay flag is now flown over many churches in America. Hundreds now are being forced out of their churches unless they accept the LGBT movement. Forced out. 
Even recently, you know, even, listen, this is not just happening, you know, up in Washington or up in some, right here in Louisiana, we have, we have congregations of Methodist churches that are having to take loans and borrow money and whatever to buy back their buildings that they paid for and worked for and pay the headquarters of the Methodist church because they stand against the gay agenda. That happens right here. Yes, in Menden, right, you know, right here in Menden, happening. Right now, today, there is a lawsuit on April the 12th, 2023, you could have read it, that a liberal United Methodist body sues the Pennsylvania church over exit from denomination, asked for control of cash, property, and the church, it comes, it comes as they, there's a fracture over sexuality, church government and issues. And so they, these people have, have decided we don't want to be a part of that. We believe what the Bible said. So what happens is then they are sued there by the headquarters there to get the buildings and the property and the cash to leave them people who have, whose fathers and mothers and grandparents have donated and put to this church and their sweat equity and all and take away property right here in the land of America. What is it? No one will buy or sell. No one will own unless you come under their control. But guess what? They can't control you. And you didn't split off from them and become another daughter. You wasn't born out of Rome. Hallelujah. You are a recreation by the spoken word of God. God sent a message that called you to him. Amen. A bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Hallelujah. And we are contending for that faith. Hallelujah. We're contending for a rapture. We're contending for a resurrection. We are contending for a body change. We are contending against sin. And we will prevail. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You talk about a squeeze, you know, it is a squeeze. And these people are feeling the ecclesiastical pressure. Who would ever thought the pressure would come by not accepting the gay and lesbian and, and, and the queer agenda? Wow, who would ever thought that? But now here it is. The church itself has become so demonic, such a cage of unclean and hateful spirits. Until it destroys its own self and turn on all of those. Put them out and expel them. Take their properties away. They're feeling the pressure. Why? What is happening? You saw a great revival that broke out in that school here recently. What was that school? Asbury. Broke out, broke out at Asbury and, and, a great, and a revival that was breaking out and whatever. What in the world is happening? Yeah, I realize there's a lot of insincere people, but there's, there's sincere people too. 
what is happening with some of these people that says, we won't go with that. We're going to stick with the Bible, what we know of the Bible to be true. Why is that happening? It's the foolish virgin, and it's the last call of them coming out. And they will go in the tribulation, but I'm going to tell you, friend, while they're trying to buy oil, you got it. Hallelujah. While they're trying to get the Holy Ghost, you got it. Hallelujah. You're receiving it. The outpouring is here. Hallelujah. Amen. While they're getting ready to go in the tribulation, you're getting ready to go in a rapture. Hallelujah. And your faith is rising. You're not a falling church. You're a rising church. Hallelujah. You see, it's an ecclesiastical spirit uniting itself against the work of God, opposing the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say, you see, there are many, even among us, because certain men crept in unaware. And they too are fornicators. And when you bring in psychology, you're a fornicator. When you bring in a system of religion that just says, believe the message, and you've got the Holy Ghost, you're a fornicator. You're a horse woman. When you borrow from them and their ways to bring a reformation to members instead of an old-fashioned Holy Ghost experience, you're a fornicator. When you take an intellectual conception over a genuine experience with God with the motion, well, I don't believe in an experience with motion. You don't believe the prophet. He said, if your experience, and I quote him right now, amen, from 1964 in Perseverance, he said, if your experience doesn't have a little emotion in it, it is dead and you ought to bury it. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, well, I'm afraid of emotion. I tell you, I'm not so much afraid of somebody getting emotional. I'm afraid of you being dead, 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 dead. I'm afraid you won't know how to respond to the Holy Ghost. I'm responding, you won't pray. I'm afraid you won't move in the spirit. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of you becoming lukewarm and cold and powerless. I'm afraid of churches becoming where they no longer baptize and no longer see souls won and never an altar call, never a prayer line, and there's no sick healed. That's what I'm afraid of. Amen. I'm afraid of that kind of church. Amen. But I rejoice in a church. Hallelujah. Where the power of God moves unto salvation. Where sinners weep their way to Calvary. Amen. Where they receive something more than an intellectual experience. But the power of God begins to work in their lives. That's what I want to see. But it's an ecclesiastical spirit. Uniting against the work of God. Opposing the Holy Ghost. Opposing altar calls, denying the power and the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, replacing it with a cold intellectual belief. 
And instead of a Holy Ghost power to overcome, I'm afraid of preachers using psychology, barn from denominations, showing they're being bound, united together. The squeeze is not just coming, it's here. As a California judge has ordered the San Jose Calvary Chapel Church to pay $1.2 million in fines for defying the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions by meeting for worship and not requiring masks. Your freedoms are gone. And if you don't comply, $1.2 million. Satan, with all his ecclesiastical pressure to stop us from fulfilling the Great Commission, to preach, to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to speak with new tongues. Remember, at the revelation of the trumpets, Israel received opposition and persecution from governments of the world in a physical manner, which resulted in being uprooted and forced back to a physical homeland. But it comes against the bride in an ecclesiastical spirit. A religious spirit trying to use quotes, putting a squeeze or pressure on the bride. And this will only serve, though, to bring the bride, the true bride, from man's tradition back to the homeland of the Bible. It's just the tender hand of Jehovah leading you back to the tree of life. I'll tell you, we better be contending for the faith, for rapturing faith. This age is going to require more faith, not less. Let the musicians come. What an hour we're living in. Sorry, I spent a little more time on that than I wanted to. I was just trying to feel the, the guiding of the Spirit, just lay some things out in the Bible for you. So you're against denomination. Why? Because they're harlots and whores. They've taken in seeds of man instead of the seed of God. They reject God's word. But I'm happy because I've accepted the word of the Lord. Aren't you happy? Amen. And I'm happy to contend. We got to fight, brother. Hold your ground. I don't care who it is or what it is. Hold your ground. Stand on the word and the promise of God. Let God manifest himself to you. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. That means you hadn't received enough of the Holy Ghost yet. You ought to be seeking with all your heart for another refilling. Over and over and over again, we'll get into it as we contend for rapture and faith. I'll bring it down right now into what is that faith and on down in the next service to come. I'm trying to show you this morning why we have to contend because certain men have crept in unawares. 
denying the only Lord God, denying Him in baptism, denying Him and deny the gifts of the Spirit. They deny the power of God. They deny it all. Certain men. But there's certain men also standing for truth. I want to be one of those certain men. Is that the way you are this morning? Amen. Let me contend for what's right. Let me fight, be brave against all evil. Let me never run or even lag behind. Get into it with all your heart. Well, honestly, Brother Tim, I can't find a church that's right. and I can't find one I can really get behind. and I really can't find one that's good enough for me. Well, let me ask you something. In all of what you've done, how many souls have you won to Christ? How many have you baptized in His name? How many missionaries have you sent out and supported? How many churches have you built around the world? What have you done with what you got? You can't find nowhere. I tell you, I'm glad to be a part of a group that believes that the gospel's got to go to all the world. I'm glad to be a part of a group of people who supports a youth camp where that people can be saved and healed and delivered. I'm glad to be a part of a church that believes in altar calls and prayer lines. Amen. And the sick are healed and people are ministering. I'm glad to be a part of that. Amen. I don't know about you. I mean, you can go out and be whatever you want by yourself. But when you get to heaven, when you stand before God, you're going to give an account with what you did with this message. And I'll tell you what, if you turn and worked against the work of God, you're going to face condemnation. So put your heart, all your heart. If you can't put your heart into the work of God here, put it somewhere. Quit pretending like you're so spiritual. And you don't go to church. Quit pretending that you're so holy and you don't assemble with other believers. Quit pretending. You're no different from those who are pretending that they're male when they're female or pretending when it's all pretending. Help me, God. You know, you don't, you don't sometimes know where to stop. I pray the Lord give me wisdom right here. We got a lot of pretending going on. We pretend he comes, the Holy Spirit comes down when we push play. We pretend we turn to service so the Brother Branham. We pretend, we pretend that there's no such thing as pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers. We pretend there's no... We pretend. All of, we pretend. We're now missionaries and we're sent out. And you won't even be subject to a God-called ministry. You're pretending. You're no different than the fornicators in the Bible. Lust don't be pretentious. Lust do what the Bible said. The Holy Ghost comes subject to the Word. That's an evidence of the Spirit of God.
Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Put him first. Put him number one. Hear the call of God. Separate yourself from evil. Every other voice, separate yourself. Come back to the voice of the Bible. Let it speak. God bless you. Oh, can't you see what I'm happy? I've accepted the word of the Lord. The word that was spoken by the prophet of Malachi. time it won't be long 
and it won't be long till we'll be meeting here. Oh, it won't be long. Oh, we'll be going home and count the years as much. same old life you've been trying to fill the same old holes inside there's a better life there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain. Sing it again. If you got pain, if you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. Oh, we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. I know there's a better life, there's a better life, if you got chains, he's a chain breaker, oh, if you feel lost, he's a way maker, if you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior, you got chains. Amen. Let's just worship him now. We've, We've all, all found, found ourselves. ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know that just ain't right. There's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. Sing that first verse. If you've been 
trying to fill the same old holes inside. Oh, I know there's a better
Amen. The blood is the Holy Spirit. Remember there in the Old Testament, it was the blood of the lamb. It was a chemistry. It was a substance. Came out of the lamb's body. Well, the blood, the substance that came out of Jesus Christ was the spirit. And that's what saves us. The life of the blood. And it's the Holy Ghost. And there's nothing but the blood of Jesus will take away sin. Nothing but the Holy Spirit. That's the working of the Holy Spirit, the work of God. We got two young ladies here today that wants to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's the beginning of their Christian walk. You know, they've given their hearts to the Lord and asked him to be Lord and Savior. But they want to now take on his name. And as I have explained to them, this is the start. This is not the finish. This is where you're baptized with water. But as John said, I baptize you with water. But there's one coming after me that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So you see, we baptize with water. That's what we can do. And, and that is, it's a represents, representation, a reaction to cause and action. So we, we take and immerse them in the name of the Lord Jesus, bearing the old life to raise up in the power of the new life, to walk in the newness of life as a son or daughter of God. And these young people have come today to be baptized in his name. We had prayer with them there at the altar. Now we're going to baptize them as the Bible said. My little sister, the Lord Jesus sent Brother Tim into the world to preach the gospel. He anointed me and called me and sent me forth. And now I come here in obedience to a divine command of his to the, for those that repent that I was to baptize them in his name. So therefore, according to the divine commission that he commissioned his disciples, we said, go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All precious is the flow. And make us white as snow. Amen. No other fountain do we know. Amen. You must come to the Holy Spirit and let him do his work. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good to us? There's no greater joy to a parent than to see his children walk in truth. And so these, these children coming to walk in truth is our great joy here today. Amen. Amen. My little sister, put your hand right there. As we come here today in obedience to the word of God who commissioned us to go into the world to preach the gospel, to baptize those that believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, Today, we come in obedience to that divine command and baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord.